this morning I'm, I was thinking about the events of the last week, and to me it's uh, it's both sad and it's a boat and it's it's, it's a very uh, rewarding thought, comforting thought that someone who has been among us and has given us her wisdom and her understanding in her own special, sometimes untalkative way when we're studying in Bible class has a lot to say otherwise. But I am, um, I'm kind of reminded of the things that happened when some of the other elderly folk have departed and have gone to heaven from our midst. And it seems like we get to the point where where are the folks that we're going to turn to that have some wisdom? But Dorothy's always said, you know, it's the scripture that gives the wisdom. But the other thing that I noted about Dorothy and one of the things that I think I'm quite lacking in in my own personal life is prayer. Dorothy was a prayer warrior. Uh, the last time I saw Dorothy, um, one of her daughters was there, and her granddaughter came in, and she was talking to us, and then she went over to talk to Dorothy, and then she said, you know, Grandma had a way with prayer. She would start praying, and about two hours later, she just finished with her grandkids, and then she would start praying for other people. I wonder... I wonder how many people could have taken many, many lessons from Dorothy and what a wonderful thing that is to be able to be comforted by prayer and to be able to put prayer in perspective because, as, as I hope we'll see with some of the scriptures I picked out for this morning, we'll see that God is present no matter what. And when God isn't there, his son is there. And when his son has gone back into heaven, we have the Comforter who is with us for inside of us because he is the Holy Spirit. And they listen, even though we think they don't sometimes. They listen. They hear us. And some of the things we talk about are important only to us, and God doesn't maybe see the reason to answer that and to put it in some perspective that we would grow and learn from it, but he nonetheless listens. And he will say sometimes when we ask him for things, he will say, maybe not now, but, you know, maybe don't, don't leave me but because I'm there and I know what's best. So me personally, I think that uh, there was a lot of great example. And I think from the elderly folks that have passed, there are so many good examples. We see them as people in, in their humanness. But when we get together and we talk about what our hope is and what our salvation is, we see the focus that these people have grown to understand and learn because of their life experiences. And most often, I would say 100% of the time, they will be talking about how they're ready to go and see their Jesus. And that, that goal alone has helped melt or mold or make them into this traveler that's on the path that really loses interest in all other things that are man-made or here to, you know, to twinkle our eye and catch us off guard and those sort of things. So this morning, I'd like to look at uh, Exodus chapter 3, 
And this is a story about Moses being in the wilderness in the 40 years that he was there to, where he is working with the sheep as a shepherd. It's kind of a foretelling of, of his responsibility later in his life when he gets to shepherd the Israelites out of Egypt. Meanwhile, Moses was sleeping, herding the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian. He led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. Then the angel came to the Lord of the Lord came and appeared to him in a flame of fire within a bush. As Moses saw or looked, he saw that the bush was on fire but not consumed. So Moses thought, I must go over and look at this remarkable sight. Why isn't the bush burning up? When the Lord saw that he had gone over, God called out from the bush, Moses, Moses, here I am, he answered. Do not come closer, he said. Remove the sandals from your feet, and uh, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Then he continued, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. Then the Lord said, I have observed the misery of my people in Israel. I have heard them crying out because of their oppressors. And I know about their sufferings. I have come down to rescue them from the power of the Egyptians and to bring them from that land to a good spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the territory of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Pezzarites, Hivites, and the Jebusites. The Israelites' cry for help has come to me, and I have seen the way that Egyptians are oppressing them. Therefore, Go, I am sending you to Pharaoh so that he may lead my people out of Egypt. Now I want to stop here for a minute because you think about what's going on here. So God calls out, first of all, by catching Moses' eye. How can it be that this fire is burning and this bush is not consumed because fire consumes everything? So we see what's happening. Moses' curiosity is piqued. But let's put this into perspective of a, of a person coming to know and to gain more knowledge about who Christ is, or who Jesus is, or who God is, through faith. So he goes over to the bush because his curiosity is piqued. You know, I want to go check this out. How can this be? And God calls out to him. He says, you know, Moses, Moses, here I am. He answered, don't, do not come any closer. Now, I don't know the reason why God said that. But he said, remove the sandals from your feet because the place where you're standing is holy ground. So he is telling him that on this place, something is going to happen. But what is happening with, with, between God and Moses? A conversation. A talk. Do you know that prayer is a talk? The word directly translated out of its origin means a conversation. So how often have we had conversations with God? Speaking for myself, I don't think I've had enough. Because if I compare myself to what I talked about with Dorothy, I'm sorely lacking. But prayer is not just requests. Prayer is a, is a conversation with God, and the requests that come out of those prayers are not 
me-focused. They're not give me. They maybe help me. They maybe show me. They may say give me, but let's get understanding through what the scripture says and what God says through that book. So he calls out to Moses. So they have a conversation. But what is he leading up to? He's leading up to not only is he talking to Moses in a conversation, but he's going to show Moses something really specific. So then he starts talking about how his people, the Israelites, are being oppressed because they have cried out to him. Well, that cry is also a prayer. Sometimes when we get into a position where we're thinking and everything seems to be closing in on us and everything is troublesome, and it seems like no matter which way we go, there's just, I don't see the light at the end of the tunnel. But he's there. And in this situation, he was there. He was ready to make a remedy. Now, I think when I read this, I think to myself that, well, wouldn't God be aware of that? If God is all-knowing and everywhere and ever-present and, you know, omnipotent, there's nothing he doesn't know. What is he talking to Moses about this for? Because he wants to give Moses a witness a physical witness is what we need. And so when we start thinking about what prayer really is, we're asking sometimes for a physical witness that God is there with us. God doesn't answer prayers that way all the time. I could say this is an experience of, for me. Last week, my grandson was here and we had um, a really nice visit. He's the oldest one of my grandchildren from Arizona. But I went outside because I was working outside doing some small gardening tasks and whatever, and uh, my, my cell phone rang, and so I picked it up, and it was my nephew from Michigan. And he said, Fred, it's been put on my heart that you're in need. He said, I want to tell you that you have inspired me when I called you about my concerns and my worries about the people at church not understanding the Holy Spirit, and they need to open and, and to become more open. And I said, oh, Brian, I don't know why you called me, because I am just feeling like Moses out in the wilderness. That's how I feel. He said, Fred, you don't know the people you've touched. I said, well, it's not about me. It's about God. And I don't think that I'm making a difference. He said, well, just keep peeling the onion back. Keep peeling that onion back. And he was going to a Bible study with some friends that he had met and from many different groups of churches, I guess, there where he lives. And it was exactly what I needed. Now, why does God do that? He doesn't want to lose you. He doesn't want you to feel like you're on the edge of the cliff. And there's nowhere to go but down and sudden death, perhaps. You're on the edge of the abyss. And that's what I think David talked about in a lot of his psalms. I don't want to go down there because I don't know how I'm going to get out of there. But God is so, so, he just knows. Was someone praying for me? I don't know. But whoever it was, I thank God for that. So prayer is a necessary part of our life. 
And there are a lot of folk who don't, don't think that's true. So let's go to verse 11. <clears throat> but Moses asked God, who am I, that I should go to the Pharaoh and that I should bring the Israelites out of Egypt? He answered, I will certainly be with you. And this will be a sign to you that I have sent you. When you bring the people out of Egypt, you will all worship God at this mountain. So God was predicting the future because there is no time duration of when Moses goes and all those plagues that had to come about before the Pharaoh said, yeah, 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 you know, it's time for you to get out of here. Can't take it anymore. Then Moses asked God, if I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, what is his name? What should I tell them? So here we are human beings, and we're looking for some sort of, of concrete evidence again. And so what does God say? Verse 14, God replied to Moses, I am who I am meaning I am omnipotent. He's the beginning and the end. He is sovereign. He is over everything. He's always been, always will be. There is no time with God. God is beyond time. God replied to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you say, are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. Now, if I were to come up to you and say, I am, I had a conversation with I am this morning and he told me to come and talk to you and then you would look at me and say, Okay, having no clue, right? And that's how we are. God also said to Moses, <clears throat> say this to the Israelites, Yahweh, which is I am, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever. I am, I am to be remembered in every generation so he goes and does this then there's another place where in exodus where moses is is confronted by god and and they have a talk about a covenant but but let's go to daniel the second chapter of daniel my bad i didn't put my markers in The second chapter of Daniel. King Nebuchadnezzar is having a hard time with these dreams that he's getting. And he says he's having these dreams and he's trying to get someone to interpret these dreams for him and he, no one can tell him what those dreams mean. So the king talks to all his people and then he asks for someone who can interpret the dream. I believe it starts here in verse 10. The Chaldeans answered the king, no one on earth can make known what the king requests. Consequently, no king, however great and powerful, has ever asked anything like this of his diviner, priest, medium, or Chaldean. What the king is asking is so difficult that no one can make it known to him except the gods, small g, whose dwelling is not with mortals. Because of this, the king became violently angry and gave orders to destroy all the wise men in Babylon. The decree was issued and the wise men were to be executed and they searched for Daniel and his friends to execute them. Then Daniel responded with tact and discretion, desecration to Aunt Arach, 
the commander of the king's guard, who had gone out to execute the wise men of Babylon. He asked Arach, the king's officer, why is the decree from the king so harsh? Arach explained the situation to Daniel. So Daniel went and asked the king to give him some time that he could give the king the interpretation. Then Daniel went to his house and he told his friends, Hananiah, uh, Mishael, and Azra about the matter, urging them to ask God of, of heaven for mercy concerning this mystery. So Daniel and his friends would not be killed with the rest of, the, of Babylon's wise men. The mystery was revealed to Daniel in a vision at night, and Daniel praised God, the God of heaven, and declared, may the name of God be praised forever and ever for the wisdom and power belong to him. He changes the time and the seasons. He removes kings and establishes kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and, and acknowledge to those who have understanding. He reveals the deep and hidden things. He knows what, in dark, what, he knows what is in the darkness and light dwells with him. I offer thanks and praise to you, God my Father, because you have given me wisdom and power. And now you have let me know what we asked of you. You have let us know the king's mystery. So he's a human being, and he goes to God, and he's asking them for help, and his friends are praying for him, asking God to give him wisdom. And he gets it. A request. He had a conversation with God. What does God do? He gives them wisdom and understanding. So he gets to help his friends from death. So then Daniel went to the king and he tells him the interpretation. And of course, if you read on in Daniel, you see what that is. It's about that big statue and how it's destroyed. Then in chapter 3, we look at where Nebuchadnezzar has made a command. They were supposed to worship him as the only one. And Daniel, of course, doesn't do this. So some of the Chaldeans come on this occasion and come forward maliciously to accuse the Jews. That would be verse 8. They said to the king Nebuchadnezzar, May the king live forever. You as king have issued a decree that everyone who hears the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, drum, and every kind of music must fall down and worship the gold statue. Whoever does not fall down and worship will be thrown into a furnace blazing of blazing fire. There are some Jews you have appointed to manage the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These men have ignored you, the king. They do not serve your gods or worship the gold statue you have set up. Then in a furious rage, Nebuchadnezzar gave orders to bring Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So these men brought the, were brought before the king and Nebuchadnezzar asked them, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, is this true? that you don't serve my gods or worship the gold statue I have set up? Now, if you are ready, when you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the zither, lyre, harp, drum, and every kind of music fall down and worship the statue I made. But if you don't worship it, you will be immediately thrown into the furnace of blazing fire. And who is the god, small g, who can rescue you from my power? Mm. He thought he was pretty big. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to the king, Nebuchadnezzar, 
We don't need to give you an answer to this question. If, God, if the God we serve exists, then he can rescue us from the blazing furnace fire. And he can rescue us from the power of you, the king. But even if he does not rescue us, we want the king to know that we will not serve your gods or worship the gold statue you set up. Well, that's pretty bold for, for um, these people who have been imported into Babylon, these Jews, and these people are ungodly and they just don't, don't care. But there were people who Daniel and these, these, uh, his, his friends had offended by their faith. And because we are consciences are pricked, sometimes they want to eliminate the agitation, kind of like a mosquito. Slap that thing, don't let it sting me. It just bothers me. And that's the way they think about people who have faith. They want them gone. So what does he do? So then Nebuchadnezzar was filled with rage and the expression on his face changed towards Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He gave orders for them to heat the furnace seven times more than the customary. And he commanded some of the strongest soldiers in his army to tie up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and throw them into the furnace of blazing fire. So the men in their trousers, robes, and head coverings and other cloths were tied up and, and thrown into the furnace of blazing fire. Since the king's command was so urgent, the furnace was extremely hot and the raging flame to kill those men who carried Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego up. And those three, um, and fell bound into the furnace of blazing fire. Then the king Nebuchadnezzar jumped up in alarm. He said to his advisor, don't, don't we, did we, didn't we throw three men bound into the fire? Of course, your majesty, they replied to the king. He exclaimed, look, I see four men not tied, walking around in the fire unharmed, and the fourth looks like the son of the gods. He sang it in low G, or small G. But who is, the, who is the fourth person? God himself, right? Nebuchadnezzar then approached the door of the furnace of blazing fire and called Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You servants of the Most High God, come out. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out of the fire, and when the uh, satraps prefects, governors, and king's advisors gathered around. They saw that the fire had no effect on them. The bodies of these <coughs> men, not a hair was on their head was singed, their robes were unaffected, and there was no smell of fire on them. So who but the almighty creator can lift someone or keep someone so shielded that they can't even be near a fire and not have smoke smell on them. I mean, even in the littlest things, when we pray, God hears us. So Nebuchadnezzar exclaimed praise to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He sent his angels and he rescued his servants who trusted in him. So they violated the king's command, but, but the king's command was earthly. 
not heavenly. And that's the difference. So what is he saying here? That if we think there is power on earth, like the governments and the people that would be coming to oppress us, trouble us and to cause you know us problems, us, us grief, then why, when we ask God in those matters, will he not protect you? Of course he will. But what is he saying to them? He's saying that when they responded to the king, they said, but even if we are consumed by this great fire, we will not serve another God. So the question comes down to, even in this way, is who is your God? And why has, why have we, as collectively as people, not paid attention to him? Why have we gone in such a way that we demand our own way? I heard a story once about a, a young man who, or a young kid who, whose dad bought him a toy, and you're probably all familiar with this story, but he gets this perfect toy, he wants this toy. And he whined at his dad for months and months and months, and finally he gets this toy, and he brings it home, and he's just all fired up, and he plays with it for about half an hour, and it breaks. And he brings it back to his father, and he says, you brought me this defective toy, fix it. And so sometimes that's the way we are with our attitude with prayer. I don't like the answer you gave me. I want you to fix it. Who are we in the face of the almighty, eternal God? And when we turn our life this way, when we start communicating with him and we start talking to him, he does answer us. I don't know if I have this straight in my head, but there's a, story, there's a picture that was painted many years ago of uh, the, the Whistler's mother. And isn't that the picture where she has a cover over her head? And one of the, the um, famous theologists that wrote lots of uh, information in, in terms of Christianity, that was his mother. She had five boys, and every morning after she cleaned up the breakfast, she'd go sit on her chair and she'd pull her apron up over her head. And she would pray for two hours. But she did it purposely because when she prayed with that cover over her head, she was talking to her children too. She was talking to them about faith and about how that, how God gives faith and she was asking him to continue to be in their life and to guide them throughout their life. And I don't remember his name, but he's, he's one, of the, um, one of the martyrs. One of her sons is a martyr that was actually killed for his faith. So, does God answer prayers that way? Yes. Does he give us faith? Absolutely. Do we choose it? Hopefully. And when we get done with that, all that, we have this road that we walk on that everybody says this is a narrow path. The reason why it's a narrow path is because we take from the right or from the left, we see things and, and the devil is there to, to tempt us away and to make everything shining and, and to make us, make us want to go there. But pray. God will protect you even from that. So this morning, I want to thank God. I want to thank God in a way that I know he's there. I know he looks out for us. And even in the worst situations, when you feel at your utmost depths of despair, he sends somebody there to pick you up, to give you a biblical word of inspiration and protection and Say, where have we gone? You've kind of like clouded something up. It got cloudy. But now you need to 
look for the sunshine. And he will be there with you. So my dear friends, in, for the rest of our lives that we have left, let's do this. Let's take Dorothy's example, an elderly sister in faith, let's take her example and do that. And even if you're praying not on your knees, but if you're talking to God through the day and you're saying, I have this concern, I have this worry, will you help show, will you guide, will you protect? Because that's all it is. That's just a conversation. In Jesus' name, amen.